6pm. On tonight's show, lecturers are to strike again over pay. The higher fees are not going into salaries. They're going into the salaries of the top 5%. If you want the best teachers, then you have to pay them properly. They'll be walking out for two-hour stints tomorrow and in the coming weeks. We've been asking you if you're annoyed by missing more contact time. Centre at someone, five, to- be- someone told us it's getting beyond a joke. We'll be asking the union if the walkouts are really necessary. Also tonight, with the use of elections around the corner, are there enough women in campus politics? For president, for example, there's been more joke candidates running than there have female candidates in the whole kind of history yeah, of the Yeah, which is shocking, really. A campaign's been launched to get more girls to run for positions. We'll hear from the organisers later. And before seven tonight, a recent Guardian article suggested that universities should ban students from working part-time during their degrees. It was OK last term, but I know now I have to really focus on my degree and it was it was holding me back slightly. I couldn't do as well as I wanted to because I couldn't spend enough time in it. That's Bex, who quit her job at the courtyard after Christmas. Hear more from her later. And we want to hear from you on this one. Has working affected your studies? Let us know on the website, ury.org.uk, or you can give us a text on 07851 101 313. All that and lots more to come between now and 7, including your latest late sports news with Mitch. First, though, your latest URY news headlines with Claire Thomas. The URY News Hour with Ben Basin. Claire, thank you very much indeed. It's three minutes past six. Welcome to the URY News Hour. The university is due to be hit by another wave of strikes from the university and college union. There'll be a two-hour strike tomorrow between 11 and 1 and another one next Tuesday as well, between 2 and 4. There's another strike planned for the 10th of February as well. It's all over what pay university bosses are offering staff. The union argues it represents a 13% pay cut in real terms and say that they may have to resume to refusing to mark assessment if the strikes don't have an effect. Well, some lectures and seminars at York University have been cancelled. The university do say that few students will be affected, but this week, URI News has been asking you how you're feeling about it. We'll be hearing all the results from our survey a little later on. But first, Geoffrey Wall is a teacher in the English department at York and is also the joint acting president of the UCU. He explained to me why the union are striking again. We want to resume negotiations, but the employers are perfectly intransigent. Uh, They stick to their original offer. They say there isn't enough money in the system, which uh, we can demonstrate is not the case. And the vice-chancellors of the Russell Group have just awarded themselves an 8% pay rise, giving a lie to the thought that there isn't enough money in the system. We had strikes in October, and we had them before, uh, just before Christmas as well. So this is the third yep. sort of batch this year. The, the first two haven't, didn't really do much, did they? Do you, why do you think that these, these ones are going to be different? I'm not sure they didn't do much. I think they sent a very strong message to the university as an employer that the employees in all three unions, so it's not just the academics, it's all of the support staff, are not happy with the pay offer. And we have campaigned and negotiated and balloted and we reluctantly moved to strike action. Um, you say that they, they have done things, but you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have, to have to do this, this next strike if, if truly they'd had the effect that you wanted. Well, it's cumulative. Um, the employers have refused 
to change their position after the first two strikes. So we have, I think, we're a longer-term plan, and if our initial strikes don't do what we want, uh, then we have other actions we want to consider. If this doesn't have the effect we want, uh, we may move to a marking boycott in the summer term. I think it alerts students to the fact that the university is not using the higher fees to secure the quality of the education on offer. And I think I would say to anyone who is indignant at having missed teaching tomorrow, I would say to them, look, a university is a place for some clear, critical thinking. So think clearly about why this is happening and think about the dangers of this drive to impose market forces on education. Is that what you want? If that's not what you want, then you need to support the strike. And if you want the best teachers, then you have to pay them properly. So striking for decent pay is also a way to arrest the erosion of the quality of the education that we're able to provide. The higher fees are not going into salaries. They're going into the salaries of the top 5%. Uh, and we think there is a real injustice there. Well, we've been talking um, to students and getting their opinion on, on the strike. I'll just read some comments that we've had in. Someone says it seems silly that they're striking again when it obviously isn't having the desired effect. Um, someone else says it feels like we're being punished for something that's not our fault. Um, and another comment says it's getting beyond a joke. Obviously, strikes aren't working. It leaves some time to actually restart meaningful discussions. I mean, there's quite a lot of anger, isn't there, in, in the student body because of, of these strikes that are happening? Uh, yes, I'm sure there is. I mean, we don't relish doing this. and um, We don't do it as a random act of malice. Uh, this is part of our negotiating campaign. It is unfortunate. It can be resolved very swiftly and painlessly. Do you think, do you think, do you think striking is the way to resolve it, though? Isn't, aren't negotiations uh, more productive? Well, well, as I said, we've negotiated, we've campaigned, and we've balloted, and we have a strong mandate for strike action, as it were. It is the last resort is, is the only time we, we would go on strike because we hold our... No, we, we're aware of our students' interests, obviously. Um, do you think that a lot of students are aware of the reasons behind you striking? Or is there an issue that, you know, students aren't supportive of the strike but would, would be if they actually were more informed about why you were doing it? Yeah, I think that depends on two things. It depends on the student union locally and nationally. And I know that locally and nationally it's NUS and University of York Student Union are sympathetic to us. Um, but it also depends on my colleagues having that conversation with their students and of explaining to them why they're going on strike and very patiently listening to their opinions and saying, I mean, that's certainly one of the things I'll be doing in the aftermath of the Thursday strike. I'll be talking to the people uh, that I would have been teaching at that point and explaining to them why I'm doing it and asking them for their reactions. And I'm sure those reactions will vary. Some will be sympathetic, some will be indignant. I think that's, you know, in this political process, you can't avoid upsetting some people. So um, you say that um, you're considering more action in the future if this doesn't have the desired effect. Is is this uh, refusing to mark assessments? Is this something that you're seriously, consider, you're seriously considering? Because, you know, it's, it's one thing, isn't it, to, uh, to, to sort of miss a few hours of contact time, but to actually, for students not to have them, their assessments worked, it's, it's, it's quite extreme. Well, we've done it before. Uh, we know what we're doing. We know how to 
calibrate it. We did it in 2006, and we got then what we thought was a satisfactory pay award over the next three years. Uh, we, it, the boycott of assessment really is the last resort, as it were, beyond the one day or the two hour strike. Uh, it's not something we relish, um, but if we have to do it, then we will. Do you think it will get that far? I hope not. I hope that the employers agree to resume negotiations. Jeffrey Wall from the UCU talking to me a little earlier there. Well, this week we've been asking your opinion of the strike. Are you angry that you'll be missing teaching due to lecturers protesting or supportive of the staff's cause? Or maybe you won't be affected at all? Well, George has been looking over the results of our survey, which we'll be doing this week, and joins me now in the studio. So, George, how many students are going to be affected by the strike? I think before we go on to that, it's just important to say we've, over the last few days, we've done a survey. Uh, when we last covered the strike, um, we just went on general views of students. But this time we found from our survey results that 31.5% of students said we would be missing contact time. Quite a big number. A third of people affected to say the, the university and the unions were saying it wasn't going to affect too many people. According to our results, nearly a third of students are going to be missing uh, between one hour. And some of them have said up to six hours of contact times as a result of free strikes. Um, but what is supportive for the unions is that over a third of students said they were either supportive of it or that the similar number also said they were indifferent. So not too many people are against the strike, at least the students are supporting them, even if they're uh, directly affected by it. Um, however, what is interesting to note is 42% of students said they were either annoyed or angered. So not quite a majority, but there is still a fair amount of students who are thinking negatively about this. So we can't just dismiss that completely. It is negatively impacting um, students and having some bad reactions. Um, what is interesting about this one, um, this next fact, is that over half of students, 55%, said they are worried that more strikes could come. When we first investigated this back in October, we thought this was just going to be a one-off. It was going to be a strike. It was going to get resolved. But now, now with this being the third lot of strikes, with potentially boycotts of marking, this 55% of students do think more is to follow. And that is probably quite likely. If we can't get what they want, they are going to just keep on going until they get a better, a better deal. Um, as a result of this, we have had a lot of comments um, from the people who filled in our survey. There's one person who is very supportive, saying, I strongly support the strike and the lecturers involved. And another person added, lecturers deserve to be paid more and we need to support them. We are all working together and these lecturers do a lot for students. Many go above and beyond the call of duty. They deserve a pay increase. But equally some less supportive, saying it's a waste of time. Strikes never get anywhere. Just look at our booming coal industry. Bit of a joker there. Uh, another one. Annoyed as they have already had one of these and they seem a bit pointless just for a few hours. So quite a lot of people affected there by the strikes. Um, but yeah, uh, with all the full information about all the content and all the statistics will be going up on our URY news blog later. So if you do want to check out the full results of the survey, you can check that online. Okay, so George, um, what's the university had said in response to this? Well, the university has released a statement, uh, which I'll read. Uh, it's, our main concern is the interests of students and other stakeholders. With this in mind, our position remains that all sides should return to the negotiating table and try to reach an agreement. However, it seems highly unlikely that the Employers Association will move from its current offer. In the meantime, this university has made unilateral decision to raise salaries of the lowest paid staff by more than a national pay offer and to backdate this to August 2013. 
Locally, we have faced very little disruption on the two-day strike action so far, and we expect similar or possibly less support for the proposed two-hour stoppages, and that the disruption to students will be minimal. So that's what the university says. Whether it's true or correct, we know that 30% of students are affected according to our results, but still, that's what they say. Okay, George, well, thank you very much indeed. Well, you see the Students' Union are supporting the strike. Earlier, I spoke to President Callum Taylor. We want our students to have motivated lecturers, uh, cleaners who feel valued, administrators who feel like they are, if you like, respected by their university. Um, we don't want to entertain any kind of divide and conquer where it's students versus lecturers, students versus staff. So it's important that we're basically saying that we want everyone in education to be properly supported in whatever they do. And that's why we stand by the members of the free trade unions who voted for strike action again. Although some students are angry at the strike, our survey suggests that the majority aren't worried about the effect on their degree. 71% of students that we asked said that they weren't. Callum says that he does sympathise with students who are going to miss contact time. Well, absolutely we do, and this is why we've, we've sought to say to the trade unions, where possible, help your students out. Let your students know as early as possible that you won't be there, which which will help people who are coming, coming in from a long distance or who have to organised childcare whilst they come to university and perhaps the students you mentioned, the art students who don't have much contact hours, it might help them rearrange alternative sessions outside the action uh, because I know some of the people who are taking strike action are happy to rearrange so we're trying to get as many if you like concessions as possible whilst also supporting the action because obviously we're here to represent our members as well. You say you're here to represent your members. A study, uh, a survey that we've done showed that only 35% of students were actually in support of the strike so is UC really representing their members by still supporting it I mean I I don't really know much about your survey in all honesty Um, all I know is that we passed policy less than three years ago which means that policy is still active which opposed what the government was doing to higher education with regards to the cuts in in terms of education as a whole and also fee increases for students that policy is still active and when we went down to the national demonstration in 2012 which students did back we we had support from those unions who have lecturers, cleaners, administrators in. There's a, there's a real danger if we allow those who work in education one way or another to be separated and picked apart because then the overall, if you like, aim to have more investment and more support for those in education, it will just fall apart. It's, it's, it's the tactic that is always used across any kind of dispute like this. So our policy is still active, which was, as I say, less than three years ago, but As ever, we're more than happy to have a debate with people who want to raise that. But will the strikes be effective? We heard earlier that Geoffrey from the union was optimistic about the effects. Callum Taylor, however, has his doubts. I would say that if the action doesn't go beyond small-scale demonstrations and people clicking like on Facebook, I would say that it won't really have much of an impact. Then Then why should they be striking? And they should be striking because it sends a message out. The problem is the effectiveness of the argument. How many people are making the argument? How many people are giving that argument time of day? I don't don't have all the answers, but there's only going to be so much of an effect if a handful of campuses and a handful of in, in, in a few regions are actually taking the action. Callum Taylor talking to me a little bit earlier. Well, we want to know your experiences of the strike when they happen. You can email your thoughts to newsroom at urwide.org.uk or give us a tweet. On Twitter, we are at URY News. The URY News Hour with Ben Basin. 
just gone quarter past six. Well, as you probably know, the Yusu elections are merely weeks away. Nominations are open now, and a campaign has been set up to try to get more female students running for positions. Gender Accessible Politics is a society set up last year to try and get more women involved in politics on campus. Earlier, I spoke to Bronwyn O'Reilly and Maddie Spink from the society, who told me a little bit more about the problem in the Yusu elections. It's definitely an issue. I mean, a lot of the time, I think when women do go for positions, they do seem to get them. I mean, last year there weren't very many female candidates, but um, Anna got in and so did school Cassandra. And yeah, she, they were both, you know, they both did very well, but more generally, not enough women go for these positions, especially the full-time positions. I know that there's more in the part-time positions, but... Yeah, was it three for full-time positions um, last year, but two of them were successful. So even though there's a, a small pool, uh, the female candidates do seem to be proportionally successful from the ones that do run. But there are some, you know, for president, for example, there's been more um, joke candidates running than there have female candidates in the whole kind of history yeah, of the Yeah, which union. is shocking, really. Well, last year, 33% of overall candidates in the USU elections were female, but only 22% of people running for the, for the sabbatical positions were. This was down from 35% last year. Two years, ago, the, two years ago, the whole SAB team were male, and last year, Charlotte Winter was the only woman in the big five positions. Maddie and Bronwyn told me that often, camp and po campus politics can seem like a male-dominated environment, and that this has put off girls from running. I think when you don't see people in those kind of positions, then you don't go for it. I read something in news yesterday as well about how the people who always run for it are typically male, but they're also typically white. They're typically full-time undergraduates. They're typically in their second year, and they study kind of uh, politics, history, mm. something like that. And those are all problems, and those are all problems that we'd like to, as a society, try and address. Yep. So I think it is about who you see up there. If you see people who are kind of different to yourself, you think, oh, maybe it's not for me. If you study a science, you think, well, you know, I don't know about politics maybe that's not the way to go forward and yeah, yeah I mean we're, we're definitely not just about gender we are hoping because obviously we are a new society but we'd love to diversify maybe get some sister organizations to tackle Inter intersectionality those, yeah. I mean that's a really important thing as well 2012, the year before last, was by far the best year for female candidates. 44% overall were girls, and almost half of the non-sabbatical candidates were too. This was a big improvement on 2011, where only 27% of all the, all the candidates were female. Bronwyn and Maddie said that it's an issue that stems from the national perception of politics. I mean, clearly, if you look at Parliament, it is a, it is a clear problem. I think it's about... Um 26 or like to 30 percent something like that women in parliament and you know when they're there they do make their voice heard but again if you don't see people like yourself in a position then you think you know i'm not qualified to do that that isn't my place yeah and i think to tackle parliament you have to start um on a smaller scale and i think if you get the right environment at university then that'll trickle up in a way so and i think there is a good you know there is a good basis because i know that nus is doing a campaign about female leaders this year and they're doing a lot of work on that and um i know that tony pierce is the you know chair of the nus at the moment mm -hmm. and there is some good female uh, you know role models and they are putting forward some good policies and some good schemes to try and get people involved but it's just about you know, keep on encouraging people to say you can do this and people like you are, you know, all the options are open. Well, you are wise Callum Shannon has been out to campus to see if girls are considering going for UC positions this year. I might do. I think 
There are more males than females on the YouTube panel at the moment, but it's quite interesting that the female role is filled by Cass Brown, who's a sports rep. So maybe it's typically male role is being filled by a female sabbatical officer, which is somewhat encouraging in a way. But I can see why some females might be put off from running. But I don't think it's necessarily a downside. I think we're like in a, like we're in a situation at a university where there is quite a lot of gender equality in general. So people wouldn't necessarily put off just because they see a lot of males in like high positions. It's not necessarily that women don't want to get involved. It just kind of, I don't know, there may be a sort of social stigmatism um, that they, or a fear that they might not be taken fully seriously, which I think, you know, kind of is, is a shadowing of, uh, of a, you know, like politics for the whole country, really. And I, yeah, I definitely think it's that way, but it, there should be, you know, something done to try and at least equalise it at a university level uh, for a start. Do you think Yusu's male-dominated at the moment? It seems to be, I think, but, I mean, there are still a lot of females in it. I don't think it's... Uh, that's the first thing people think about when they think about Yusu. Um, does the current gender balance, would it put you off running for a position? Um, not really, I don't think. You know, if I really wanted to go for it, I don't think um, such a kind of gender ratio would really put me off. So what can be done about the lack of women running in the UCU elections? Maddie Ann Bronwyn told me that it's a difficult situation, but the things are being done. I know that OneCom have done before, they've done uh, schemes where they kind of, they help people along. Everyone's welcome to turn up, but obviously it's run by OneCom, so the kind of slant is towards women. They kind of give people materials, they give people support, they give people, you know, they say, if you're going to run, we will help you, we will, you know, we'll help run the campaign, we will, you can come to our group and make posters and stuff like that. And even stuff like that, even if it's not, it's not directly... Yeah, it's yeah. not, but it is encouragement, it is saying there are people to help you along and there is something to fall back on if you can't. Do all the work. Yeah, I think that's definitely what we're trying to do long term as well, not just as one particular time of the term or anything. So um, we are running uh, talks and that sort of thing just to get get the word out, and then obviously say when the nominations do come out, then we can sort of say, well, you know, there is support. So nominations come out week five. We know who's going to be running for positions. Are you hopeful that we'll have a higher number um, of female candidates than we did last year? It would be nice. I'm not too. Um, <laughs> I haven't uh, got much faith. <laughs> I um, I actually don't know, haven't heard. Uh, no one I know um, that I know is um, going for anything. So I actually wouldn't have any idea who what's going to turn out yeah. in, the, in the nomination. And I think we do know. You know, as a group, our society does know a lot of women who we care have a lot about of politics and stuff. But I don't think I've heard from anyone that they'll put themselves forward. <laughs> yeah, which is sad. But you know, we might have some ones that we haven't met yet yeah so that's that yeah. might be encouraging but it could be it could be interesting because you know um i think callum's at the end of his term isn't he and a lot of um maybe some of us are staying on but it should be interesting especially the presidential i'd like to see yeah it'd be really great to see a, a female president candidate yeah even if they're successful i think it's just really 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 great to see Maddie and Bronwyn talking to me a little bit earlier. Well, are you a girl thinking of running for a position in the USU elections? Let us know your opinion um, of whether you think USU is, is too male-dominated and whether you're intimidated. Um, get your messages in on the website, ury.org.uk, or give us a text 07851101313. And we'll be returning to the issue of the USU elections later on in the show when George Lane will be here with some more of some gossip of who may be running for what. So stay tuned for that. Now, many students find themselves short of cash whilst at uni. Some look to get part-time jobs, but others are starting to go for a more adventurous approach and are setting up their own businesses. URY News Editor George Lane has been finding out about the training for self-employment workshops, which have arrived in York. Could you see yourself setting up a business? How about becoming an entrepreneur? 
Do you need to learn how to write a business plan? Well, if you answered yes to any of these, you might be interested in taking part in the training for employment schemes that are being introduced to York. The workshops are short sessions which cover a variety of essential details that are needed to know in order to start up your own business venture. Early this week, I caught up with Jeff and John from that scheme to find out a little bit more about the free workshops that are being offered locally. The workshops cover a whole range of activities and what we're doing at the moment is a a taster workshop for people who are thinking that self-employment might be an option. Yorkshire being the third highest for unemployment rates, this is sometimes the only option that people have because jobs are simply not there for people. Also, the 18 to 24 age group are finding it difficult to obtain jobs. And this is a way around getting started. There are a lot of young entrepreneurs out there who want to do something but maybe don't know how to go about it, what's needed legally. This particular programme is open to anybody who's thinking of going down the self-employment route. Anybody who's interested in self-employment or starting a business or has an entrepreneurial aspect about them, anything like that, there's no prior experience asked of people and all of the training materials are provided. All literally people need to bring is themselves and maybe a pen and paper to make notes. What can people hope to get out of this initial starter course? They'll know the basics. They'll, They'll know business planning, which is what the Uh, the taster course is about, how to write a basic business plan, how to conform with the tax regulations, uh, HMRC, self-assessment. We'll touch upon what sort of legal structures they want to set up, whether it's a sole trader, a limited company, partnership, and all that is explained to them and the pros and cons. So they'll come away from it knowing all the basics. And then if there's anything else specific, we've already signposted them on that taster as to where they can get other information from. There's a very good one in York. It's a young lady. She has invented a game based on the history of York. It's recently had quite a lot of publicity through uh, the press and and the media. She is at the moment doing some work with people who are testing out the game, making adjustments and so on, and eventually she will go commercial with with this. But it's all her own idea. She's been working on it for some while, but it looks really, really good. And the publicity that she's had recently has been fantastic. We deal with all kinds of people from hairdressers, mobile hairdressers, um, car engineers. Right, the way through to high-tech things like uh, mobile phone apps and websites designed for that. Where there is something specialist, then obviously it's up to that person to know what they're going to do in that specialism. We can't be expected to be specialists in, in, in sort of every kind of industry that people go into. What we do is teach them how to go about using their idea and create a sustainable business. With work and employment being quite difficult these days, especially for younger people who have no experience, this is an opportunity, if they've got a great idea, to actually put it into practice. But a lot of people feel that... um, I've got the idea, but I don't know how to make it come alive. This is designed to help them understand how you do that. To apply, um, first of all, there uh, there are a couple of adverts in the careers centre, in the information office, uh, and they can get our numbers from there. Uh, They can look at our website. They can apply on the website. There is a contact us form. All they want to do is fill that in, and we will reply to them immediately. And because it is funded by City of York Council, it's free of charge. Um, And also, furthermore, once the workshops end, it doesn't end there. We always say to people if you need anything if you've got any questions anything specific that obviously comes to mind afterwards when you start to think about things when you're more relaxed do feel free to email us owners whatever and we'll try and point you in the right direction answer your questions on that so a lot of interesting information from them but i spoke to tim a student at the university who is interested in setting up his own business to see what he thought about the training for employment scheme i had a job at a local uh, restaurant um and it got a bit too much for me because uh, it just wasn't my kind of thing you know working 
with someone else. So I decided, um, you know, there must be better ways of doing this. So I had a look online, uh, and I noticed there were an awful lot of electronics which were broken, disused, just very, very, going for very cheap. So I bought a lot of, I only spent about £100, and I bought, I bought you know, a few of these items, fixed them up, and uh, I sold them for about 350 I think that was my first sale. Um, and from then on, it was kind of, that was something I did in my spare time, it was something I did on the weekends. Um, and that carried on for about four years, and I expanded it to Amazon, uh, and had my own website. I, I had I had done uh, business studies and economics at GCSE and A-level, so I kind of had that inspiration inside me, and I knew that I wanted to do that in the future. When I came to uni, um, you know, studying for a few years, it does kind of, it can make you lose sight of where you wanted to head in the first place. And then I heard about the Entrepreneur Society, and I heard about some of the presentations um, that the Career Service is holding on self-employment and freelance work and that sort of thing. So I went along to a presentation, um, I heard about what they had to say and kind of their experiences. Uh, a lot of that I'd heard before, but for me it was kind of a refresher course, really. And that, it kind of sparked something in me again. Um, and so I really feel like, you know, after I leave, I want to go back to that, I think. We've just been talking about training for self-employment. If you were in a sort of a position a couple of years ago um, and you maybe didn't have a background of business mm-hmm. and economics, yeah. do you think that's sort of something that you'd want to get involved in? Would it be useful for you to, I, in order to be so successful with yeah, this? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think. I mean, if I, I, if, if I hadn't had the background, I think it definitely would have inspired me to go further into it. Um, it has it has become, made it more accessible for people to kind of, it's gone, well, maybe that is interesting. Maybe I should take a look. And I feel that's, I feel that's helped a lot of people because there are a lot of people I met who'd never thought about it before and they were really taken aback by, you know, the opportunities there. I think it, it gives you it gives you something which, you know, just having a job, you know, it gives you something a bit a bit extra. It gives you the that feeling of wow, I've done this for myself. I am my own man, I'm my own boss. George Lane reporting there. You are why. It's half past six. Still to come tonight, Mitch will be here with your sports. The York football team has beaten North Yorkshire Police in a charity friendly. It was a good performance from the start. We looked sharp from the beginning, but the opposition went really up to a lot. That's the York captain. Hear from him a bit later. And we'll also find out about a new way of funding projects on campus, You Start. First, though, your latest local news with Karis Brain. The UOI News Hour with Ben Basin. Karis, thank you very much indeed. You listen to the URY News Hour. It's just coming up to 27 minutes to 7. Now, being in a university, society, college, or sports team can be an expensive business. With funding stretched and budgets tight, it's ever more difficult to pay for these things. In last week's refreshers, USU Start was launched. A brand new crowdfunding system was announced. A partnership between the university alumni office and USU. USU URY News editor George Lane had a chat with Susie from Ustart, along with the Ustart ambassador, and some some of the current projects. Uh, well, thank you for joining us. Um, we heard about the launch of Ustart recently. Uh, it launched Refreshers Week. Can you tell us a little bit more about it for those listeners who aren't quite aware of what it is? Okay. Well, I'm wondering that you you a lot of you must know about crowdfunding, and Ustart is a crowdfunding platform. But what's different about Ustart is it's a bespoke fundraising platform, crowdfunding platform, especially for the University of York. York, and we're the first university in the UK to have our own 
crowdfunding platform. So that's really exciting. Okay, so um, our team in development and alumni relations uh, have been fundraising from alumni for the last 10 years. And we create a fund, um, we create a pot of money every year that student societies and departments can apply to to get their ideas off the ground and to make the fantastic things that students think about and departments think about um, a reality. That pot's called UFUND, and there's another round of applications coming up um, for student societies, so look out for that. But the reason that we need UStart as well as that is that the funding in UFUND is clearly limited because we don't have an endless uh, pot of money, unfortunately. Um, So what UStart allows us to do is to uh, enlist the help of the projects themselves in spreading the word about the fantastic and innovative ideas that they have and getting that message wider. It also allows the projects on campus to talk directly to uh, alumni and people who feel really, really warm to them. So it's a win-win situation. Cool. And we're joined in the studio by a couple of guests. Uh, well, three guests, actually. So I'm the Start Student Ambassador, and I'm basically here to be a bit of a link between the student body and the Darrow team and people involved in the Start platform, um, primarily to help give support for the students and their projects, you know, looking at the social media aspect of things. Yeah, and what we're trying to do is build a, um, a community of Start users that will learn from each other. So we'll be holding workshops um, on a kind of monthly basis so that projects that are thinking about coming to Start can talk to projects who are a month in and can talk to projects that are um, finished and successfully funded. So Liza will be, you know, on the email, on, on the phone, and we'll be holding these workshops, as we say. So. Now, we've, we mentioned Ustart is new. It's, it's only just been launched uh, recently. Have we had? Have you had much interest from that? Have you got any projects that are ongoing or any any projects that are, are going to be coming on very soon? Well, we've got... Uh, we're really excited to launch the platform with two absolutely brilliant projects. And the another a couple of our guests here this afternoon are Catherine Leach from the Department of Physics and James. And I'll let them explain about their projects, which are up there live. And we'll give a web address, won't we? And... You can go and have a look. So, Catherine. Uh, so, we have a fantastic site um, on the university which is has optical, radio and solar telescopes. And our project is actually to make that available to the general public and to school groups and to make it a really fantastic and inspiring site that people can come into to learn about space. So, we have a fantastic site um, on the university which is has optical, radio and solar telescopes. And our project is actually to make that available to the general public and to school groups and to make it a really fantastic and inspiring site that people can come into to learn about space. Um, So we've just launched our project. Uh, We've got about 20 supporters so far and we're really keen to, to look for more. And the, and the project's called Astro Campus, is what you do. <laughs> That's what you do. So, and it, where's the Astro Campus, James? Uh, Sorry, Astro- James, you need to introduce yourself. Yes, no, I'm James, I'm a first year physicist, and I'm essentially here to do, to try and help with the legwork, to try and get out there and get asking for people to take some of the pressure off Catherine, uh, to try and get in some donations and see what the students think of the idea and how that they think that we should go forward with this. So how far do you think you start um, will help not only you raise funds and money, but how far do you also think it'll help just generally raise awareness of this project? Do you think if you were to have a different source of income, you might not be able to get out there as much in the community? Do you think it's, it's helping in more of a way than just money? Yeah, definitely. It's been fantastic so far because we're now approaching lots of different groups. Um, we're getting lots of community involvement, both from within the university and from external groups, school groups, um, other funding bodies, but... 
but ones that otherwise might not engage with it directly. Um, so we're really looking forward to welcoming people onto the site and actually giving them the chance to see what their money's gone to, to fund. It sounds like a fantastic project that you've already got so far and hopefully lots more projects to come in the future. How can they get? How can students get involved with this, Susie? Well, the, the first thing that they need to do is to go and look um, at the web address. I need to refer to my notes in case I quote it wrong. But the, the easiest way to get to it is, is on, the student, on the student area of the alumni portal, and that address is www.yorkspace.net and then forward slash you start and that's why you start um, and that'll tell you all about you start and the kind of benefits of being involved and then there's a button which says register here and that takes you to the site that's live where you'll see Catherine the Astro Campus project that Catherine and James are involved with you'll see another project from the 24 who are a singing group who are hoping to get to China uh, on a tour and I think I suspect by the start of next week you'll see three or four <laughs> other projects up there um, and the site it's got fantastic facilities it talks you through building your project it tells you um how to write your pitch so that it's attractive to people who are reading it and importantly for crowdfunding um, which i didn't mention earlier crowdfunding is different from other sorts of fundraising because people get something back so what you do is you pitch rewards so if somebody gives you do a donation you give them something back if you've got a good idea um and you want to just chat it through with somebody, then the team at Ustart, which is Liza, myself, and Becky Warburton from the, the USU team, we're there just to, to be a sounding board, even before you press that button and get started on the site. Well, lots of different reasons why students should get involved. So thank you very much for joining this afternoon. Thanks, George. And wish you well in all your different projects. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. George Lane hearing a little bit more about Ustart there. January. Cold, dark, bleak, jog, jog on. on. You are wise, massive new competition, Jog On January, courtesy of York Sports Village. Winners will receive a VIP gym pass and will be given a very special challenge to complete for a chance to win a free one month long membership. All you have to do is listen to any URY PM this week from 7 till 9 and enter each show's unique competition. Tune in to URY PM with Ben this Saturday from 7 for the live winner reveal. Jog, Jog on. on! The URY News Hour with Ben Basin. It's 20 to 7, you're listening to the URY News Hour. Now, debate has arisen this week about the approach of universities to students working and whether part-time work should in fact be banned. Karis Brain has the story. Last week, an article published by The Guardian sparked debate over whether universities should ban students from working part-time. Students Natalie Gill from the University of Cambridge and Alexa Jane Moore from Worcester Uni debated the issues around students working. Gill suggested that students don't have time to work, whilst Moore claimed that it's an important factor in gaining employability for the future. But with fees now standing at £9,000 per year, and with living expenses placed on top of that, the question may be whether students can even afford not to work. You Otherwise, Ben Basin spoke to UC President Callum Taylor about student employment. I think it's a crime that this is even being debated. I mean, until we reach a day that students at the given institution can turn around and say, I can afford not to work, then students should be able to work. It's a fundamental part of UC. I mean, we have student staff in all of our ventures, the shop, the free bars, the kitchen, and it's, it, it, it is a good thing. A lot of students need to work, especially when you're considering, again, 
again more cuts from the government to to things like bursaries and general support funds. Students have got no choice really, and obviously there's um, a balance to reach between you know not doing too much and having enough money coming in. But uh, we support students working provided they do it sensibly. Mm-hmm. Of course we do. How does uh, UC try and help students keep that balance between work and? Well, and we study? recommend to our students, staff, and you so that they don't do more than 15 hours a week. And if they were to exceed 15 hours a week, then our managers will of course have a word with them. The students' welfare is at the heart of what we do, and of course we put out the same message as does the university to those students who don't work in UCI but might have a job in the city centre. I think the university's recommendation is 16 hours a week. Of course, that can never be enforced unless you had, say, a supervisor for every single student who could go out and follow their students around. So all, all you can do is guide people, really. You can't force people not to. Some people end up in some situations that just can't be accounted for. I know I certainly did when I was studying. So, you know, we can put the recommendations out there, but there will be people who have to go above that. Of course, well, because, you know, that's reality, that's life, and people do slip through the net, things go wrong. But for the most part, we're there students not to go more than 15, 16 hours a week. While work may be needed to supplement costs not covered by student loans, it can put pressure on the time given to studies. Bex Elson worked in the courtyard kitchen last term and shared her experience with URY. So I was working at the courtyard in the kitchen and I thought at first it's going to be quite good because it was supposed to be quite flexible. Obviously, you know, it's USU, so most of the staff are students. But we were only given our rotor each week, so I never knew exactly when I was working. I didn't have fixed shifts, which was actually quite problematic for me. Um, So in terms of the actual hours it wasn't too bad I think I was working about 16 hours a week which you know was manageable but it was the fact that I was never told exactly when I was going to be working each week I had to wait until Monday to know when I was working for the rest of the week um, which was difficult trying to work around um, you know extra studies reading and fitting other extracurricular stuff in as well so it was it was good in terms of getting the money but it's quite difficult so do you think it put a bit of pressure on your studies so was it a bit of a was it difficult to get the the work study balance do you think definitely i think so um especially when it came to essay deadlines having you know a six hour shift in the middle of the day just kind of really broke up your studying time and also just you know if you have a morning shift then you feel like yes okay you're up but you're so knackered after it you don't really want to go and sit in the library for the rest of the day and do work equally if you've got an afternoon shift you're constantly clock watching and you just can't concentrate properly you do have a policy where they try and not make people work more than 15 hours a week so do you think for somebody that kind of actually does really need the money it it, it can be a manageable job I think it can be I think I was just in maybe it's a unique position working in the kitchen I mean I did really enjoy it but I do know that people who work in the bar and also who work in the shop know exactly when they're working each week I think the difficulty with us was obviously when we had events on and things like that we had to cater for it's difficult saying exactly when we're going to work each week because we didn't know how many hours and when we're going to close so maybe it's just the kitchen, perhaps, that's not brilliant for, for that. But I, I reckon that, you know, you can still manage it. It is manageable. So was the main reason that you decided to stop work? Was it a study thing or was it just you didn't feel like working anymore as such? It was a study thing, definitely a study thing. Um, I mean, I'm probably, <laughs> stupidly, I started working my third year. I didn't work first and second year, but it was OK last term. But I know now I have to really focus on my degree and it was it was holding me back slightly. I couldn't do as well as I wanted to because I couldn't spend enough time in it. So I definitely chose my degree over work. Do you think the university perhaps should think about banning part-time work or do you think it's something that 
each student should be allowed to decide for themselves. I think it's down to the student. And also it's down to the course. I mean, I was, in a, again, a good position that I was doing humanities and it's, you know, they're obviously known for not having the most hours a week. So I think, you know, if you personally feel you can manage it, then you should be able to do it. But again, also a unique thing about working for USU is that they, you know, they're probably more understanding than a job in town who expect you to work just as the other staff do and don't really take into account that you're a student. So, you know, maybe weigh that up when you're looking for a job. So to return to the point made by Cambridge student Gill, part-time work does seem to put pressure on students' time, but as Welfare Officer George Offer explained, it can be a necessary and valuable asset to student life. Until universities um, are accessible and affordable for uh, everyone, then there should they should not be in a place to ban students from working to fund their studies. Do so you think actually students might be more pressured by financial concerns and so work can relieve that potentially? Absolutely. I mean, the main reason for students getting part-time work during university uh, is because, I mean, many students can't afford otherwise, as well as getting skills and things alongside and looks really good in your CV. It's necessary for many students. With the increased fees, do you think that work and money is something that you find a lot of students worry about? Uh, Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, It's in quite a lot of research we do is a massive concern for every university is the huge amount huge financial burden and although the 9k is offset over many years um it's still a huge amount of money to be spending any stage in your life really but yeah many students do work with, and during their time at university uh, and we more than encourage them to do so if that's what they want to do from a welfare perspective then if you're encouraging students and saying it's fine to work you can do both um what would you recommend students how do you recommend recommend students go about working? so the university's line and i mean i completely agree with it is um make sure it's a good balance uh, and they recommend a maximum of 16 hours a week uh to give you ample time to uh, study and do your course um, which is pretty important. That is the main thing. That is the main reason for being here at university. That, there's quite a lot of guidance, actually, on if you just look up York Uni part-time work, there's first result on Google. shows quite a lot from the university's pages uh, and advice on also where to get jobs. So is it more of a being aware of how many hours is realistic to try and work and not letting your employers press you to do too much more? Absolutely. Yeah, it really is getting the right balance um, because... I mean, some people wouldn't be able to be at university if they didn't have a part-time job. Um, But once that starts to affect your studies, uh, it's something you sort of need to look at the balance. I suppose, lastly, what can employers do themselves to make work easier and better for students? Uh, So I I think flexibility is the biggest thing. Understanding that what it's like to be a student, so uh, different your contact hours may vary week to week uh, and also month to month during exam period you'll want to take time to focus on that and just allowing students when to work when they can while sticking to contract and everything as well so like for example um, a student's employment like campus bars or uh, is a great example of where they really do know what it's like Banning part-time work doesn't really appear to be a reasonable approach to how students balance their university lives. Instead, we should continue to support working students and trust that they know how much work they can handle. Karis Brain, URY News. The URY News Hour with Ben Basin. Listening to the URY News Hour, just coming up to 10 to 7, and Mitch is here now with all your latest sports news. Thanks, Ben. The annual college rowing tournament took place at the Roger Kirk Centre on Sunday night, with victory once again belonging to Derwin, who finished the night 45 seconds ahead of nearest rivals James. After eventually battling through the technical difficulties that forced the postponement of the event in November, all eight colleges were roared on by supporters in a buoyant atmosphere. 
But despite the tough competition, nobody could prevent Derwent from retaining the crown they clinched last year. I was there to see how the college sporting spirit remains very much above water. I'm from Alcorn College. Vivian, you've taken part. How did you get on? Um, it was great. It was really fun. We were like the first girls team, so we won first place. Excellent. Is this your first time rowing or are you an experienced rower? No, first time rowing, so I thought we were lucky. First time, but you yeah. thought you'd give it a go? Yeah. Definitely really, really tiring, especially the legs, but it was really fun. You weren't considered joining no, the club? I'm good. But representing your college means a lot to you? Yeah, definitely. Alcorn all the way. Also taking place last weekend was a very special football match between North Yorkshire Police and University of York AFC. The match was being held to coincide with the launch of a new campaign called Call It In, aimed at increasing student awareness of how to make a police report. The team of serving officers, however, may have been left wishing they'd chosen another way of promoting the scheme after struggling to arrest a steady flow of goals against. The students managed to fire nine past the hapless Fuzz, who did, though, manage to steal a solitary consolation goal of their own towards the end. After the match, I spoke with York's first team captain, James Davis, about the 9-1 win and why it was important on this occasion not to show too much respect to the Bobbies. My name's James Davis and I play right mid. I'm the captain of uni once. James, congratulations. A comprehensive win. Pretty pleased with the performance? Yeah, it was a good performance from the start. We looked sharp from the beginning, but the opposition went really up to a lot. Like you say, it was a, a bit of a mismatch, but you still seem to take things pretty seriously. Do you take this as good preparation for the rest of the season? Yeah, we obviously we haven't played a game since the first week of December and we've been back in training only two weeks now, so it's quite nice to get a game. It's our first 90 minutes. Obviously, it's our only 90 minutes before our first league game on Wednesday, so yeah, it's, it's a big preparation for us boys and to score that many goals. It's a bit disappointing to concede a goal, but at the end of the day, a win's a win. Who's your man of the match for today? My man of the match for today is Josh Sperling. I thought he did everything excellently, got the ball down, did his job, did everything simple played really well. And how did it feel to be uh, coming up against some police officers? You didn't have to think twice about going in too hard? No, not. To be honest, we don't really go in that hard anyway. We play our own football. We get the ball down and do the rest. No. Could you tell us a little bit about why the game was being played? Obviously, there's been incidents on nights out and they weren't happy to go and speak to police officers. So there was a member of Yusu who wanted to get the club or students of York University closer with police so they got this organised as a social event so we're obviously going for a pint and some food with them now after the game as well Right so you've been them pretty comprehensively but a few friends made you'd say yeah? Well hopefully we'll go and see now won't we? Lastly how you feel about the rest of the season ahead? Yeah we're confident but we've still obviously we've got four games left four points clear going into the last four games but we've got to work hard take our chances win games take it game by game Good luck, congratulations and go and enjoy your drink. Cheers, thank you very much. Davis's York first team returned to Bucks action today in a tougher encounter with local rivals York St John's third. The final score in the derby, 1-0. Elsewhere in Bucks, a big congratulations to the York men's lacrosse first who today secured promotion after finishing top of their league undefeated, charging to a 14-4 win over promotion rivals Durham seconds. 
In hockey, York men's thirds were forced to settle for a one-all draw with Northumbria thirds, whilst York men's badminton firsts also drew today four-all with Hull firsts. In international sports news, Roger Federer has ended Andy Murray's Australian Open campaign. The Swiss star almost gave away a two-set lead in the quarterfinal, but eventually claimed a four-set victory. Federer says the contest was in the balance after missing out on two match points in the third set. In football, under pressure, Manchester United boss David Moyes faces a crunch match this evening. His side trail Sunderland 2-1 ahead of the second leg of their League Cup semi-final at Old Trafford. Manchester City await the winners at Wembley after completing a 9-0 aggregate win over West Ham last night. It has been announced that Great Britain will send 56 athletes to next month's Winter Olympics, bidding for their best medal haul in 78 years. Skeleton racers Lizzie Arnold and Shelley Rudman are among those tipped for places on the podium. Team GB have been set to target of winning three medals in Sochi. For more sports news, discussion and debate from the university and beyond, be sure to tune in this Friday at 6pm for the first URY Sports Hour of the Year. In the meantime, to keep up to date with all of your latest campus and international sports news, you can now like URY Sports on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash URY Sport and follow us on Twitter at URY Sports. For now, back to you, Ben. Thanks very much, Mitch. The URY News Hour with Ben Basin. Coming up to the end of the UI News Hour, it's five minutes to seven now, and here at UI, we are already excited about the UCU elections, which of course are happening at the end of this term. Nominations are open at the moment, and I'm joined by George Lane, our news editor, for all of the gossip of who could be running for what. So, what can you tell us, George? Well, lots of gossip. I've been hearing lots of things from lots of different people. So, none of this is obviously true. This could all be absolute <laughs> rubbish. Uh, nominations do close on week four Friday at 12 p.m., um, so we will be actually able to hear the official nominations list in week five. But for now, um, we've got a little bit of um, speculation about the current Sabs. We know Callum Taylor, with it being his second year, he definitely won't be rerunning. However, there's a little bit of an inkling that maybe none of them will be rerunning at all for a second year. Quite an interesting thing. Do you think any of them really deserve to rerun? Do you think second year of office? Would, would that sort of happen? I don't know, Ben. Um, I'm not sure. Well, it's all about sort of how the university view um, our five, the five most important jobs in UCO, isn't it? Do you think, do you think that we, that, that, that a lot of them are popular? I mean, I think particularly, I think Cassandra Brown as York Sport president is, is really quite popular um, with sports students, um, spe- specifically uh, students who do sport. Um, about the others, I'm, I'm not sure. What do you think? I don't know, because this, this last year, there's been a few things come out recently about speculation about money in colleges and what people did when they were in charge of their college finances. So, yeah, I, I, it's a difficult one. If people were to restand, it would be it would be hard. So, But, yeah, as of yet, we don't know of any of the subs who are going to be restanding. Some interesting uh, running people for presidents. Uh, from mm. what I've heard, there's not many old college chairs who won't be rerunning for president. Okay, uh, so... Rerunning? That's the wrong word. But yeah, so quite a lot of the old college chairs look to be putting themselves forward. We've also got speculation of UOI's very own Andy Lake is potentially eyeing up the president role. Who knows whether that is true. So it looks, George, doesn't it, like we're going to have quite a few candidates for president this year. Quite a lot, and I think... A lot of candidates for president because obviously Callum's leaving, so we're going to have, I would, I would say, at least five or six. I would say you have potentially a lot of candidates for the other sabbatical uh, full-time positions just because the potential that none of the 
uh, current ones might restand. Then in terms of part-time officers and policy coordinators and things like that, a little bit less speculation about that. I'm not too too sure about that. But if you guys have got any speculation and want to message us in uri.org.uk, give us a give us a lowdown if you're planning on uh, running. Well, I suppose we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Uh, they've got a little bit. People have got a little bit longer um, to put in their nominations for the elections, haven't they? It's they week, have week four, is it? Plenty of time. Week four, Friday at 12 p.m. is when nominations close. So if you haven't stood and you fancy going for president or anything like that, do run. Um, we won't speculate too much now on UOI. We'll wait until week five when we get the official nominations. And then from then onwards, the excitement will just go through the roof as okay. the elections properly start. Brilliant. Well, George Lane, thank you very much indeed. We're coming to the end of the news hour, but we just got time to have a quick look at news which came out uh, on campus yesterday. Karis has got a copy of it in the studio. So, Karis, what's what's the most interesting story in there, do you think? Well, I guess it's, it's hard to ignore the story they've chosen for their front page which is um about a student who's become victim to revenge porn now i'd never really heard i didn't know revenge porn even existed but what it is is it's when um in a relationship people have shared photos of a sexual nature like new pictures and stuff and then after the relationship's ended um they've either been posted on facebook as has happened to this girl and additionally, um, they're posted on sites such as myx.com. So these, these sites are actually set up, aren't they, specifically yeah. for this purpose, to, to get one over on your ex Exactly. I mean, um, the site that was mentioned in the article, myx.com, has a motto which just reads, get revenge. So basically, you can upload photos onto this website and just they're pretty much out there. And then obviously, quite easily, they can go get onto porn sites and um, just places on the internet that you can't actually really stop them from going these sites aren't illegal um i mean if the photo was taken by the boyfriend or girlfriend whoever decided to put them up they, it's their property and actually it's very difficult to get anything done about it it's quite distressing quite a shocking story on the front page um, of news thank you very much karis for that well, it's, that's about it for the UOI News Hour for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back at exactly the same time next week. That's 6 o'clock uh, here on URY um, next Wednesday. Uh, in the meantime, though, we'll leave you with your latest international news with Karis Brain. The URY News Hour with Ben Basin.